Welcome to the All Things Random Podcast. We're going to talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about. So, let's get this show on the road. I want to welcome Bluesfield Insurance Agency to the All Things Random Podcast as a local sponsor. If you or your business is willing to local sponsor, bring it. Blissfield Insurance Agency since 1974. The PIA offers a wide selection of trusted insurance carriers because we work with reputable insurance companies. We are able to provide competitive prices and the best policies. At Blissfield Insurance, we look for options that make insurance affordable for our existing and potential clients. We will make sure you understand your insurance policy and receive all available discounts on insurances that you qualify for. Bluesfield Insurance has been a trusted insurance agency in Michigan since 1974. Our team of professional agents specialize in personal, home and auto, and commercial insurance services. Our insurance agency has become a trusted partner in Lenaway and surrounding counties in Southeast Michigan. Please call if you have any questions at 517-486-4888. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the All Things Random Podcast. Today, we're going to talk with Kevin Martis. Uh, he's going to discuss the solar panels and other renewable energy products around the area that are coming and coming and coming and coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome to the show, Kevin. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah. Um, so, what are we looking at? For I know there's. I, I read in a paper today. Around this area, roughly 2,000 acres, they're saying? That's one of the multiple proposals. Um, ESA Solar from Florida is proposing so far 2,100 acres stretching across Deerfield and into Raga Township. But now they're also looking at parts of Blissfield Township that abuts those township lines. Um, Samsung appears to be looking for three to four square miles in Palmyra and Blissfield Townships. Mm-hmm. And then we know another company is looking at least 260 acres up in Ridgeway. Uh, up along the um, uh, Raisin, uh, Raisin Township and the Ridgeway Township areas. So that's what we know about right now. Okay. Um, like, what, what, I don't know a lot about the, the solar panel industry. Um, I've read a few things. I've seen, I've seen some in Indiana. There's a, along 69, there's a small little area that might be two acres or so. But I see, you know, they're, they're quite high. Mm-hmm. Um, now, do they... They tilt and everything with the sun, do they? Some companies have tracking uh, solar uh, panels that tend to follow the sun more so. Others are just fixed and they don't move. Um, yes, I think the ones proposed for um, our area, at least from ESA, are up to 14 feet tall. Mm-hmm. I know that the Deerfield portion of the project would include 400,000 panels. Wow. So that's not including the 450 acres in Ragged Township. Okay. So that's what we know so far. Okay. Um, like, what, what, what are the... Obviously, there's not like with some of the pros is like is any of the energy that's being sucked into this are we benefiting from it in any way? It's hard to know. Um, first of all, the the energy would go into the grid into the wholesale market, um, and so far ESA has not announced. And I'm going to focus on them because they're the only ones we see on the ground and the only ones we have 
any amount of specific information from it no, all. Is this ESA? Are they the Carroll Road people? Yes, Carroll Road Solar is ESA Solar from Florida. The um, So they haven't said if they have a buyer, though we are now finally starting to hear some rumors that Consumers Energy, in fact, may be the buyer for the energy, but I can't confirm that yet. Right. Um, the point is, that gets sold into the wholesale market in the actual electrons. We don't really know where they end up because right. it flows somewhat like water. Um, they have only a limited ability to direct it to certain areas. If they sold to a corporate buyer like an Amazon or a Google, they could just sign a virtual contract and they could sell it to somebody four states away. The energy wouldn't necessarily be delivered, right. but they would have a wholesale contract for that and, and they would be able to take some advantage of that. Um, so, Solar is still relatively expensive. Um, I think Michigan in general, according to the Public Service Commission, is paying about $75 a megawatt hour wholesale for solar. It's coming down. They're hoping it's going to get down to 50. By way of comparison, the electricity coming out of the Fermi nuclear plant at the bus bar is about $26. But here's another thing. The solar companies like to suggest that, those, that, that renewable energy is now cheaper than our existing sources. Well, it doesn't really matter for you and me because they sell into the wholesale market. We don't buy wholesale. No. We buy retail. Right. So there's not a direct correlation there to the impacts it has to the wholesale market and what your average rate payer might see. Mm -hmm. But as far as are they selling this to Blissfield, are Blissfield residents or Deerfield or Riga residents taking advantage of this? Not directly in any way. Not a, not on the electricity end. Well, that's not like with the solar panels. It was, or not the solar panels, but that's what we're talking about with the, the windmills. Like it was being shipped. Well, away yeah. from us too, right? When they propose to have the windmills. Well, of course, because we don't consume much electricity here in Lenawee County. Right. So, you know, the interesting thing is the communities that promote wind and solar the most are usually progressive communities like Grand Rapids or Detroit or Ann Arbor. Yet, if you read their local zoning regulations, they have some of the most restrictive oh, policies. Oh, you can't have anything over six feet high or anything else. Right, because they don't want to see them. <laughs> no, right. They don't want to yeah. see them. But 2,100 acres around our house, only a fool would object to that, right? Well, right. come on now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be real. See, I was, I was against the windmills. Um, I believe, you see, I got a few ducks on the wall here. Um, I believe they affect migration patterns. I've, I've been to Canada hunting, and I see less and less birds every year we've went. Because we hunt around Lake St. Clair. Mm -hmm. And on the Canadian side, they are just covered in windmills. And I believe that affects the migration pattern. There's no question that wind turbines have, certainly there's no question they have a dramatic effect on bats. They're, in fact, Smithsonian reported that, or Scientific American, one of those two magazines reported that the leading cause of death for bats is wind turbines. They argue about the birds um, the wind industry, of course, wants to insist that they don't have any effect. Yet a number of organizations like the American Bird Conservancy um, has very strong concerns about um, wind turbine development. They've been on record in opposition to things like the proposed development in, uh, in Lake Erie off of Cleveland. So there, there are substantial concerns. I, don't, I can't prove that they affect migratory birds. But I know that the wind project that was built in the Garden Peninsula in Lake Michigan, in the Upper Peninsula, um, U.S. Fish and Wildlife objected twice to any turbines being built there because they, uh, if, because of concerns about the migratory birds. But the wind industry doesn't have to listen to fish and wildlife, right. so they built them anyways. Okay. Yeah. So, so back to the solar panels. Sure. What uh, What's the cons? I know a lot of people. Well, some of the people, you know, are. On the, the, the farm ground that that's going on, I've what I've seen, like in the area, we don't have a lot of younger farmers. It's a lot of older guys that are wanting to get out. And th that's what I'm seeing. Sure. 
So, so first I want to be clear, there's two different types of discussions we're having here. One is what do we think of solar as an energy source or its environmental impacts? That's one question. Right. That's not really a big part of the local question is a land use or zoning question, which is if this use is coming to our community, do we have a good place for it? Is it the best place for it? And if we're going to accommodate it, um, where is that place and under what restrictions, what kind of regulations should we apply to that? Now, if you're going to ask me economically about the local guys, there is no question the guy that leases his ground for solar is going to make a substantial amount of money, somewhere between $900 and $1,200 per acre, which is more than you make in on average with corn and soybean crops. Right. Vegetable farmers are not so keen to sign up because they're actually making more than the solar lease is offering already. Yeah. So when you look at the specifics of who actually signed up their ground in Deerfield, it's all a matter of public record. Actually, only one landowner in the entire project footprint lives in Deerfield Township. Mm -hmm. All the others live outside the township. One of the larger ones actually lives in Ohio. One lives in Dundee from memory. Um, so so that's, he's not going to see any of that. He's just going to collect the checks and not have to look out his window and see. To my knowledge, only one leaseholder would actually have turbines near his or her home. Okay. That's the best I know. So the question is, does this help the local farm industry? Does it help the, 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 the agricultural economy here? Well, let's say you own 90 acres or 100 acres and you don't farm it and you just lease that ground out. Right. Okay, if you're taking it away from a farmer who was leasing it, mm -hmm. and now you're leasing it to the solar company, that farmer just lost his 80 or 100 acres. Right. Yet the guy that owns the ground, because he or her may not actually farm, that money's not going into the ag industry anymore. It may go to a summer house on Mackinac Island. It may mm -hmm. go to a winter place in Sarasota. We don't know. Right. That money is definitely coming out of the agricultural economy. However, if you own 1,000 acres and you're leasing 100, some of that money may come back into the ag economy. But what I showed last week at the Blissfield Township meeting is we got a study from Dr. Stephen Miller at MSU, who is an economist who studies the agricultural economy. He modeled the uh, impacts, the economic impacts on the Lenawee County farm economy over 35 years. And he showed that we would see $53 million, $52 million worth of losses to the agricultural economy in Lenawee County from taking just 1,700 acres out of production. That's against a promised $18 million in tax revenue. Right. So it looks to me like the ag economy in particular is going to take a beating. Now, if you triple or quadruple that quantity with the amount of solar panels that are proposed, it could be a hundred million or more. So right. it's, it's a big harm. Yeah. Um, now I've read things of, uh, their, their noise and stuff, but then I, you know, I read a thing that, well, if you're 350 feet away, you're not going to hear it, but like the solar, they can build right up to the property line, correct? Like, and unlike uh, the wind turbines that had to be so many feet away. So, right. If so, you're within that 350 feet, you're going to hear something. Well, that's it. There's a, there is a noise impact. It's not primarily the panels themselves, because even though there are tracking motors on them, maybe as they wear, you might hear some squeaking or something. I don't know. Right. I, I mean, one of the problems is we only have 99 megawatts of solar installed in the state of Michigan. Right. There's a lot that we don't know. Right. We don't have a project this size anywhere in the state of Michigan that's being proposed here. We will be one of the first if it were to get built. There, the inverter, depending on the type, can make substantial noise. Anybody can simply type into YouTube Cypress Creek inverter noise and look at a YouTube video, and you can hear the inverter noise, and you can hear the fellow from Cypress Creek talking about it. So the question is, how far does that noise travel, and what, at what distance does it become a problem? Well, 
The charts from ESA show that even at several hundred feet, you're still hearing it in the 40 decibel range. Well, they'll say, well, that's not that loud. All I can say is listen to that noise yourself and ask yourself at what level is that acceptable? Because right. in my mind, it's awful close to fingernails yeah. on a chalkboard. All day, every day. Every time that. the sun is out. Yeah. You yeah. know, so there are other things that can be done to mitigate that noise, not just distance. You can enclose those inverters in a masonry structure. You can enclose them in air-conditioned trailers. I mean, you certainly have the latitude in your local community to regulate that so that you don't hear it. Right. You don't have to hear that. Yeah. But I see, I'm, I'm still on the fence. It does. It's not going to affect me. I can't look out my window and see them, but you know, like you said, it's going to affect the, the farming industry, the, the guys around here that lease ground. It's, it's almost like uh, what I have to deal with with like hunting land. There's not a lot of it in this area anymore. Um, a lot of guys down here hunt. So yeah, I got to go further and further away or pay more money. But that's, you know, we only have so much land. That's right. So, you know, we need to conserve what we have. They don't, we don't make land every day anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like. This project has brought out something I never thought I would see. Uh, more than 10 years ago, I spent a couple years, I think year and a half, two years working with the Lenaway County um, Rural Land Use Committee. And we looked at ag land preservation strategies. And. It was a big push to try and create a countywide policy because we see ag ground being turned into subdivisions and those kinds of developments. And the farmers were strongly opposed to that, that we have to protect this community and keep it agricultural. And I've never heard a farmer disagree with that until this last month when farmers are being offered substantial sums of money to turn their ground into solar production. Suddenly they are literally saying at meetings, we have too much farm ground and we don't need to protect it anymore. Right. Yeah, that, that's where it gets back to a lot of these guys are getting older. And, you know, they, and some of these guys need to pay their equipment off. Mm -hmm. That's, there's a lot of money they get wrapped up in equipment, but I just don't know. I, you know, it's the number of farmers who stand to gain from this as a percentage of all the farmers in the County is close to zero. Right. That's the problem. It's only a few. I think in Riga township, the parcels that are leased are only owned by three individuals. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get personal here, but. Anybody who knows those individuals would be dubious of the idea that those guys are going to struggle to make it through the next winter. Right. That's just something that we know in a small town. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, the other guys that are participating, many of them aren't actually farmers. They're just landlords. landlords. So, again, I understand. I mean, hey, if somebody offered me 100000 a year for 100 acres, I get it. That's a lot of money for everybody. But the, the farm community needs to understand something. There was a time when the farmers were the majority in every township electorate mm -hmm. because everybody had a 40 or 80 acre farm, 120 if you were really successful 100 years ago, and you guys were the entire voting block. Now, these rural communities, the farmers are maybe one out of vote out of 10, which means the number one rule those folks should have in mind is to always be a good neighbor to the people who outvote you 10 to 1. Mm -hmm. That's not any kind of threat on my part. I'm just saying it makes good business sense to be neighborly. And I'm sorry, putting six, eight, ten houses in the middle of three square miles of solar panels is by definition an unneighborly act. Right. Well, that's like with a, two or three years ago, them guys, some of them farmers put that shit on the, their fields. That It was horrendous smelling. And it's yeah. like they didn't care. It's like, hey. That's a, that's a bad move when you're outvoted 10 yeah, to 1. Yeah. I love our farmers. I've spent a lot of time 
in tractors. I've drilled a lot of beans. I've shelled a lot of corn. I'm not a farmer, but I understand it. I appreciate it. I've topped sugar beets. We all have who've grown up around here because right. we help our farm neighbors. I love the industry. I respect them. My point is simply be a good neighbor when you're outnumbered. Mm -hmm. Be a good neighbor. Would you do this to your daughter, to your son? Would you want somebody else to treat you this way in a different community where you don't live? I don't think most people would. Right. And many large farmers, very respected farmers in the community have been publicly opposed to this and said it's absolutely not for us. Right. And then I see some other some other ones that I've read in the paper the last few months of, well, if I could put all my ground in it, I would. But, right. But those are guys there that are successful in other ventures as well, not just farming. They got other like trucking or whatever. Yeah. If you have a or, lot of off farm income, <clears throat> yeah. if you have a lot of off farm income, some guys buy these farms because they're throwing off so much cash in our industries. They're buying these for a future hedge. Their farming is a secondary part of it. Again, most people don't think these guys need a hundred acres in solar to survive right. for the next year. We yeah. just know that's not true. And I wish them all well. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur of sorts as well. I want to succeed. I want them to succeed, but I try hard to be a good neighbor to the degree that I can. And I just think it comes down to simple neighborliness. We shouldn't do this to each other. And when they insist on doing it, that's why we have the ability under the Michigan Zoning Enabling Act to create laws that force people to be good neighbors when they're economic interests conflict with that principle right because it's like you i hear you know you hear guys complain now that oh my god it's i remember 10 years ago 12 years ago oh, three thousand dollars an acre i can't i can't afford to farm that and now they're paying six seven thousand dollars an acre what are they going to do when they got almost two thousand acres less in the area How, how's you know the prices are just going to keep going up and, and and you concentrate a lot of cash in the hands of people who are already bidding high prices for this ground. If you put a hundred or 200,000 a year into a guy's pocket, that's just a windfall. Mm -hmm. Good luck outbidding that guy at the next farm auction. Yep. Cause I've been in the thumb area and there's a lot of windmills up there and there's, we drive by this one guy's property and on the front of his barn, it says the wind farmer up in mm -hmm. Ubley. Right. And they're just windmills everywhere around this guy. Been there a lot of times. Yeah, absolutely. And and so, again, if you use wind as an analogy, at most there's 500 farmers in the state with wind turbines. I would guess it's between three and 400 because a lot of guys have four or five turbines on their farm. There's 56,000 farmers in the entire state. Less than 1% of the farmers in the state are reaping any benefit from having a wind turbine on their farm. So it's not saving a lot of farmers. It's saving almost none if right. they actually needed saving. But secondly, all those others are paying for that guy's windfall through higher utility bills. Right. You're actually taxing all the other farmers with wind costs in order for you to profit. In my mind, that's also not a neighborly act. See, like a, you, you think you could go to Detroit or Grand Rapids and them areas and throw solar panels on the roof of these tall buildings. You're not going to hear the noise because you got all the traffic noise. You got everything else. You're not affecting farmland. You know, I just, I just don't get it. I, either way, I, the guy we talked to at Michigan State said there's 4.3 million acres of brownfield in the state of Michigan. Mm -hmm. There's no need to convert not just average farm ground, but what you have here is some of the best in the Midwest. We don't need to do this. It doesn't need to be this false either or choice, mm -hmm. either good farm ground or solar. We can keep all our farm ground, continue to do with it as we had for multiple generations, and put this stuff on ground that's already harmed, mm -hmm. that's already been negatively impacted. There's no need except... Farm ground is cheap, fast, and easy for them, and that's why they're here. Right. 
But, you know, like, like you read, I read in the paper there today about how, well, you know, this is the, the sunniest area in Michigan. Now, they can they could say that 10 counties over, too. You know, they're just here. They've got enough people interested in this area to where they'll deal out the cash. And That's I, right. <clears throat> when you look at the solar charts nationally versus the solar resource charts in Michigan, them saying that we have great solar relative to the rest of the state is like saying Lenaway Solar is the world's strongest weakling mm -hmm. because our solar energy is pathetic compared to Arizona or New Mexico, logically. They say, well, it's not that much different. No, when you look at the power purchase agreement prices, it's a lot different. We're paying two to three times for our solar contracts here of what they're paying in the Southwest mm -hmm. because <clears throat> it's just like putting a hydroelectric dam on the River Raisin and putting a hydroelectric dam at Niagara Falls. We both have hydro. Maybe the River Raisin's one of the best in Southeast Michigan, right. but I can tell you which one's going to make a whole lot more energy, a lot, whole lot more cheap. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, I've been to Arizona in September. It's hot. Mm -hmm. And there's... You drive out there, and it's nothing but desert. That's right. Put a bunch out there. That's right. Where it's not affecting farmland and, and my food. That's right. You know? Everybody needs power, but everybody <laughs> yeah. needs to eat, too. Yeah. I, I just... So, you, you got anything else you want to discuss? You know, I, you're fair game. We can... <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope people become informed. And if you have concerns about this in Blissfield Township, in Palmyra, in Riga, in Deerfield, you need to pick up your phone and call those officials. They don't get a lot of phone calls on these things, and they gauge public sentiment based primarily on the number of phone calls they get. And so I do think there are good people on many of these boards that are working hard to create reasonable regulations. For instance, one of the trustees in, in Riga has already made it clear I don't think this is a good use for ag ground. Guess what? I don't either. And not only that, our master plans in many of these townships say that our ground should be left in agricultural production. Mm -hmm. And so all we're asking for is that we honor our own master plans that already predicted future land use plans. So let's do that. Call these guys, support them. There's a reason all these townships have moratoria in place because they want time to sort this out and take community input. So mm -hmm. Be respectful, be polite, but you have got to have the courage to pick up the phone and call. See, like I said, I read there in the paper there that, um, what was it, 2006 that they signed a thing for, what, 10% energy? Yes. And That's then in 2012, was it that Dale Zorn upped it? Yes, it was in 2008 is when Public Act 295 was adopted as the 10% renewable energy mandate. And then, yes, in 2016, Dale Zorn added the, the amendment to raise it to 15%. So there is a state mandate. On the other hand, this project isn't directly tied to that. The utilities have already submitted their plans that say they already have plans to fulfill those obligations, primarily through wind that's already in, in, the, in the contract queue. Right. So this is... I. Look, there's only one reason any of these companies show up, and it's not for the environment. It's not for the ratepayers. It's because they know how to take a lot of, they're not here to invest in our community. They're here to harvest from right. and extract that money and move it back to Florida. And in this case, ESA's finally admitted publicly what we've suspected was true. They don't intend to own this project. Right. This project is going to be flipped and sold to whoever buys it. Right now, my strongest hunch would be Consumers Energy. Well, I figure Consumers is in the area because... Uh was it over by Jonesville, north of Jonesville? They closed down one of their coal plants a few years ago and tore it down. So, you know, I figured, yeah, they're probably looking in the area to create more energy to help get some of that back that they, when they closed, because they've closed a, a few coal plants. I yes. Think. 
a number of them have been closed. It's something to remember about the utilities, though. The utilities would produce electricity by paying Boy Scouts to rub sticks together to make fire as long as they get a guaranteed profit on it. And guess what? Because our utilities are regulated by the state, they are guaranteed almost 11% profit on any capital expenditure they make on any power plant of any kind. So you mentioned coal plants. You can't replace a coal plant with a solar field because it doesn't produce electricity at night, yet you still need it. So you close that coal plant, you do what Detroit Edison is doing, building a billion-dollar gas plant. Then they build wind turbines and solar panels, which interrupt the generation from that gas plant. But in the meantime, they're being paid 10% regulated profits on the wind and the solar and the gas plant. So they're double and triple dipping when all our energy needs could have been provided by only the gas plant by itself. So they can't lose. This is a sucker's game for us. They absolutely got this stacked in their favor. They're doing great. You look at at Detroit Edison's share prices and the price of our electricity since PA 295 was put into effect in 2008, their share value has shot up and our utility bills have followed. Okay. Oh yeah. Of course they have. They they like making money. (laughs) That's their job. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So there's a few other local issues. What do you think of the Casey's gas station? Well, I understand folks who are concerned about it. My first question as a land use professional is to take a look at the local zoning, mm-hmm. to take a look at, at the master plan and to see what what um, what it calls for. Um, I don't personally see a big land use objection to having a gas station on a corner where when I was a kid, it had a gas station. The other thing is I see the structures that are there. And of course, I know the people that own these things. It's a small town and I mean no offense to anybody, but to clean up those structures and to put something neat and attractive is going to take somebody with very deep pockets. Right. And so Casey's is such an entity. I haven't heard that they're disreputable operators. They build a lot of small town gas stations. Mm-hmm. I personally don't have a big concern as long as it's done well and is consistent with, with the, the needs of the surrounding community. And I think our zoning already permits that type of use there. So right. I guess, you know, my gut feeling says I don't, I don't see a big harm there. I guess a lot of people, oh, we need another, we don't need another gas station. But this town's had more than two gas stations before. Many times. And there's more traffic now. That's right. That's right. And of course they want to be there. It's a corner, it's an mm-hmm. intersection, and you got eighteen or 19,000 cars a day on US 223. Yep. It stands to reason. So I hope they're good neighbors. My, my advice to Casey's and what I would have told them if they would ever call me, and of course, why would they ask me anything? If they wanted the community to really buy this, they would cut a deal to lease part of their place to the Spotted Cow to make sure that we got Spotted Cow ice cream in Blissfield at Casey's, and I think most of the local opposition would go away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd be there. I'd be there four or five times a week. <laughs> uh, yeah, then you know, I you, you live in the Raga area. Yep. So you don't have much to deal with the pool like we do here. Did Did you see any faults in the pool? Well, did we need a new pool. <laughs> I don't believe we needed a new pool. You're sticking me out on a limb here. <laughs> I will say that one of my concerns for a long time is that if you have a pool, it shouldn't be in a floodplain. Yes. So that's a serious negative to it. Um, I also thought, and you know, I'm not criticizing the powers that be, but I also thought that if we wanted a pool with the maximum benefit to our community, an indoor pool would have made a lot more sense because we can only use it a few months of the year. And so I would have supported actually spending more money to put that facility inside so that a lot more people could have use for it. You know, I thought if they're going to build this pool, why not do something like that? Build one inside and then you get other communities involved like Raga or Palmyra, you know, hey, everybody's welcome to this damn thing. Let's let's all get together and build a damn pool that we can all be proud of. Now you drive by this one and 
I don't know, for the first six months, they were pumping water out of the dam area. That's right. And that's the funny thing. A lot of us local builders knew that, in fact, I've built was, houses on the back the side of the sugar factory. That's right. Then. We know that perched water is a problem and <clears> that there's a lot of things buried in that area that, in fact, looked to me like they turned out to be problematic. But again, I don't have a dog in that fight, but I'm just giving, you know, kind of casual comments about my observations. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I want to thank you for coming today. Um, welcome to have you back anytime when you want to express other interests or if you want to go more about the solar, you know, get your voice out there. Sure. Um, I appreciate it. We'll see how things move forward. And uh, if there's another topic that I think we should bring some attention to, I'll certainly stay in touch. All right. Thank you, sir. Uh, everybody, that's a wrap up today of the all things random podcast. I want to thank Kevin again. Um, let's keep listening. Let's get guys in here like Kevin to express their interests and feelings on things. And let's get this community going. So we all can, thrive and strive together. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of all things random podcast. You can find us where podcasts are available. Thanks again. See you next week.